the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Save money. Begin to recognize that that you do need to have a rainy day fund. And that means that you're going to watch out for two things that I wish we could spend more time. Number one, avoid impulse spending. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. So in our church, the way that would look, if, if a person is faithful, I, I start with that area of, of one-tenth of my giving, and then I say, God, what are those other grace offerings that you want me to give? And there's so many different ways you can do that just in our church. Uh, for example, we have our Unified Missions Fund, and this goes to support what we do in missions, whether it's across the street or around the world. And so there are people every week that when they give, they give a, a, a tie, the beginning point to just our general ministry, and then they make offerings toward unified missions. Then we have our, our legacy fund. Our legacy is what allowed us to pay off our debt and what will position us to do f- future work right here in this room and on our campus. I was in a conversation just on Friday about paving in our, our parking lot and some of the things we want to do. Well, as people give to our, our legacy fund, it allows us to do that. And then there are all kinds of offerings that many of you give to outside of this church. Uh, many of you, like us, we, we have a little child uh, in Haiti that we support through our organization, New Missions. Some of you support children around the world with Compassion International or World Vision or other organizations like that. Or, or you, you support different ministries like campus ministries, like people who are in the Navigators or other things like that. That's of your offerings. And that's the biblical principle that God gives us for how we we do well and steward that which he's given us. And it's all summed up with the idea of generous living. Through scripture, faithfulness and financial stewardship is always characterized by generosity. And I like, since it's gotten real quiet, let me just give you a statement. I I like what my friend Johnny Hunt says. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You just have to be generous. It's not about what's in your wallet. It's about what's in your heart. It's an attitude, not simply an action. In in fact, I, I want you to hear this clearly. Your financial income and your monetary wealth is not indicative of how much faith you have. Your giving, however, is. There's something that's taught in rooms like this that I would identify as the prosperity gospel. And it would say if you just believe enough or if you just give enough, then everything's going to be great in your life. It's an idea that you're healthy, wealthy, and wise. 
And certainly in Scripture, there are principles that teach us that that God takes what we give and he multiplies it. But sometimes his blessings are tangible. Sometimes his blessings are more intangible. To believe the prosperity gospel without checking that against God's word would would cause you to neglect the reality that Jesus taught in this world you're going to have suffering. It would neglect the reality that all around the world, some of the places I travel, some of the most godly people that I meet are in life circumstances where they have nothing. So so your money, your bank account, your wealth is, is not an indicator of your faith, but your generosity, your giving is a direct indicator of your faith. Generosity is often demonstrated in the context of poverty. I love how the Apostle Paul deals with this in 2 Corinthians. In in chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, in their abundance of joy, their extreme poverty, there overflowed a wealth of generosity on their part. They gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. So he didn't list the amount that they gave. He, he didn't talk about looking how wonderfully they had demonstrated their faithfulness by giving an amount. No, he, he talked about their generosity. Now, why is this so important? It's important because we live in a world at war. And the, the truth is you could go on the internet at any time. You could do this if you're getting bored right now and, and check this out. There are dozens of wars taking place around the world at any moment in history. But those aren't the wars I'm talking about. I'm talking about a different war that's raging. Listen to how John Eldridge put it in his book called Waking the Dead. The world in which we live is a combat zone, a violent clash of kingdoms, a bitter struggle unto death. You were born into a world at war, and you will live all your days in the midst of a great battle involving all the forces of heaven and hell and played out here on earth until we come to terms with war as the context of our days. We will not understand life. Say that with me. Say, we live in a world at war. C.S. Lewis put it this way. One of the things that surprised me when I first read the New Testament seriously was that it talked so much about a dark power in the universe, a mighty evil spirit who was held to be the power behind death and disease and sin. The universe, he says, is at war. And so John, whose letter we're reading in 3 John, in 1 John, explains that this war is the reason that Jesus came. 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And I've got good news. Jesus won. The war has been won. So why would I say we live in a world of war? Because the battles still rage on. Both personally and corporately, we fight and we lose battles daily that stem from this war. 
I want to ask you to respond here. Who would be so bold as me today to say, I've got the battle scars of some war, uh, of some battles I've lost in this war with the enemy. Anybody else? I, I do. Yeah. And so we've experienced that personally. And you know, we're experiencing that corporately in the church. When I say corporately, I'm talking about the body of Christ. So the most current statistics are that one to 200 churches in the United States will close this week. When you look at the number of churches that are closing every year, that comes to one to 200 churches a week that are closing the doors. If you've traveled and you've been to Europe, that's putting us in our country on a pathway to look like the church in Europe. There's the battles that we're losing. Hey, by the way, that's why I'm so excited about what we're doing at our Lake Carroll campus. Because what we're doing there is coming alongside a group of people who are in a church that were about to close their doors and said, no, don't close the doors. Let's keep the light of the gospel shining bright in this community. And so I just want to challenge you. Some of you, I believe God's calling to come along and help us. And, and, and you could start worshiping with us there. We meet every Sunday. I'm over there preaching at 12 o'clock. We have this same message, same worship set, everything. And, and we're meeting there. And we're, we're seeking to shine the light of the gospel in that community where the church was about to close the doors. You'll see in your bulletin, you can even come this evening even if you're not interested yet in being a part of that campus, you could come this evening and just join us and pray. Pray for what God's going to do in that setting. Well, Satan was defeated when Christ rose from the dead, but the battle continues. Apostle Paul describes this battle in Acts 26 and verse 18. He says, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He's saying the reason God saved me, the apostle Paul, was so that I could be a part of this battle that people could open their eyes. We are at war. We're at war. That's why Peter would say in first Peter five, eight, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We are at war and the result of this war, don't miss this. The result of this war is that everybody say everybody, everybody who has ever lived will spend forever eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell. So the stakes of the war are high. It makes a difference. And so if you're a Christ follower, your goal in life is to love God passionately and love others intentionally so that as many people as possible in your little corner of the world spend eternity in heaven, not hell. That's why you're here. You want to give your all. That's why Jesus said, love me with your everything. You want to give your all so that as few people as possible around you have that prospect of hell in their future. And if this is true, then every aspect of our life is impacted by that. And if every aspect of our life is impacted by that, then our financial fitness has real importance. 
Because when you're not financially fit, you lose the ability to influence as many people as possible with the truth of the gospel. And you fail at your goal of living for God and loving him with all your heart. Because limited resources will always mean limited impact. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Follower of Jesus, your financial fitness has greater impact than just your life. The author and leadership guru John Maxwell said this once the only thing money can do for you is give you more options. And when you're not financially fit, you lose the option of helping others hear the truth of the gospel and avoid that eternal punishment that the Bible calls hell. So we've got to get this right. And kind of like I said last week, there's good news and bad news. The bad news is that was the introduction. (laughs) The the good news is we're going to quickly see what John was saying that Gaius got right. So look again, 3 John verse 5. Beloved, It is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts. For these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we might be fellow workers for the truth. See, John was commending Gaius because of his financial fitness. He was saying because of your attitude that has allowed you to be generous, you are making a difference for the gospel of Christ. Now, how specifically did did Gaius do that? Because he had opened his heart, he apparently opened his home, and then he opened his hands. And that's what generosity does. When we open our heart to God, it allows us to see, God, everything I have is yours. So we live in an open-handed fashion. And we never regret what we give away because we realize it was God's anyway. So two things I would say that you can learn from this. If you're living your life like this guy, like Gaius, If you're faithful and generous with what God has given you, then do what John said for Gaius to do. He basically said, keep on keeping on. 
He said, keep doing what you've been doing so that it may go well with those who are on the journey. And so make a commitment today, God, you have blessed me. You have been faithful. As long as you give me breath, I'm going to continue to do the same. But if your life cannot be characterized by that kind of commendation, I want to just give you some things you can do. Some things you can understand from this passage of scripture. Some reasons it matters. And the first thing is this. When your life is financially fit, your life offers adoration to the one who deserves to be praised. So John says to Gaius, continue to be generous. And then he uses this phrase, for the sake of the name. It's the only mention of Jesus in 3 John. But it doesn't even mention his name. Because John, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, did it, he, he knew we didn't need the name. Because there's only one name above heaven that can be praised. And it's the name of Jesus. And so when I am financially fit, when I get this right, it does the thing I was created to do. What was I created to do? I was created to worship God, to praise his name, to point to him, to give him glory. And when I get this right, it does that. Everything I do in this area of my life is done for the sake of his name, the name. There's a second thing. When you're financially fit, your life becomes an advertisement of God's goodness to a lost and a needy world. It becomes an advertisement. So this is interesting because John says to Gaius, we've never needed to ask the Gentiles, the unbelievers, to support the work. And I think it's important to understand that that's not because that a person that doesn't know God can't contribute to God things. But it's a reminder that when God's people take care of God's business, even those who don't know God say, wow, something's different about them. And so hear me, church. Oh, for the sake of the name, hear me in this changing community. When churches don't reach their community and close their doors, it becomes an advertisement to the lost and needy world around them saying, yeah, there must not be anything special about them. Hey, let's get fit so that we can be this advertisement for God's glory. But let me give you the third thing. When you're financially fit, you're able to better assist in the spread of the gospel. So he ends this by talking to Gaius in verse eight when he says, therefore we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Did you know that every dollar you give to the ministry of this church goes to support missions across the street and around the world? Now we're unique as a church in that every week we have people walking through these doors from around the world. So, so we're able to minister to them here. But did you know that your dollars also go around the world? 
through our partnership with our Southern Baptist Convention, through individual missionaries that we support, through trips that we go on and represent you, your partners even in the places you cannot go. And when you're financially fit, you're able to assist in that way. When you're not, you lose that option. So what if I'm not there yet? Because most of us aren't there yet. I want you to do a quick inventory. There's three questions you need to ask. The first question is this. Do I need some outside help to become more financially fit? That's your first question. Do I need some outside help to become more financially fit? There's a lot of great help out there. Probably no one is helping Christ followers more effectively currently than Dave Ramsey, just helping them think through their financial process. He was asked just what are some basic tools? He gave five things that we could just apply to our life. Let me give them to you quick. First one is be on a budget. Be on a budget. Have a plan and follow a plan. He says it very clearly. If you don't know where you're headed, you're definitely not going to get there. Number two, get out of debt. The Bible teaches it clearly that there's danger in being a slave to debt. So begin this process and we can help give you tools. He, he, he and his organization help give tools to help you get out of debt. Begin that process. Live on cash, not cards. Number three, save money. Begin to recognize that, that you do need to have a rainy day fund. And that means that you're going to watch out for two things that I wish we could spend more time. Number one, avoid impulse spending. Don't just go buying those things that you say, boy, that does, doesn't that look good? I've got to have it. And then secondly, reject get-rich-quick schemes. You're not going to win the lottery. Stop throwing away your paycheck a dollar at a time. I learned in eighth grade economics, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Unless, of course, it's Super Bowl Sunday at church. But, but it wasn't free. We had to pay for it. So, number four, develop high-quality relationships. Because Dave Ramsey says a truth. You become like who you hang around, Right? And then number five, be generous. Not your wealth or not how much you give. It's your attitude that makes you generous. Do I need some outside help? The second question I want you to ask, am I putting Christ first in my finances or am I holding back in this area of my life? That's a biggie for a lot of us in this room. Is Jesus first in my finances? Yes or no? Number three. Third question, have I surrendered my life to Christ or am I still living for self? I would suggest that even inside church walls, a reason many are not financially fit is because we've not become spiritually fit once and for all with Jesus. And wherever you are on the answer to these three questions, what we have to understand is this war that we're in has consequences. And we will one day be accountable for our lives. Romans 14, 12 says this, so then each of us will give an account to himself before God. 
That's why I think I can say, yeah, I've regretted a lot of dollars that I've spent. Man, I could tell you stories. I could give you the don't do this list. But I've never regretted any dollar I've given away. Let's pray together. So, Father, we have heard just a lot of truth, probably too much. I probably piled on too much today just to uh, try to explain how important this is in our lives. God, we recognize that there are many of us here who are not where we want to be. We're still becoming in this area of our lives. What we certainly need is more of your grace, more of our faithfulness. more of your presence evident to those around us. May it be so for you. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.